1: Welcome, everybody, to ADP Chasing. We have NFL Combine results to discuss. Anthony Richardson continues to skyrocket up draft boards. And again, Sky Moore, for some reason, is rising for the third week in a row. Welcome to ADP Chasing.
2: Pat (laughs) Fryer-Helmo. This is what? Pot. Anita hand, hand job, fix your sight. <laughs> Jamar Alpha oh, play oh, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding me? Can <laughs> I just You can't handle the
1: heat. See, it looks like we're finally at this point, you're right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay.
1: Hey, what's up everybody? Davis, Pete, how are we how are we doing? Doing Excited good. To, uh, to bring Anthony Richardson up into the to the sixth round. That's right. That's our that's our job here, right, Davis? It's
3: literally why this show exists. This show every year we got to pick a rookie and also, you know, there's this thing going on in the fantasy space right now where Anthony Richardson is so beloved that you can't really have your brand associated by him just being by being like, yeah, you know, I like him at ADP. Like there's there's a a hyperbole contest in which everyone has to compete to be more breathless and in, in their praise of Anthony Richardson. And um, yeah, I mean, look, I ranked him. I did my dynasty rankings this last week. I, I've i got him pretty clearly as the 102 ahead of CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. Wow. That's obviously a slightly different conversation than ADP chasing for this. But I, I think I actually, you know, yeah. Sam and I were just talking before the show. I actually feel better about Anthony Richardson in that context I'm I'm still probably relative to consensus a little bearish on what
2: he's gonna do for fantasy this season. All jokes aside about like the sixth round thing, and I don't think he could ever get up to where we were drafting Trey Lance last year just because people are so bought into the Niners and Shanahan and all those weapons. But I, I, I legit think there are scenarios where he could become like an eighth round pick by Best Ball Mania three close or four close. I mean
3: if he gets drafted by the Detroit Lions and the Detroit Lions trade Jared Goof to someone for a third round pick, he is a sixth round pick. That's the that's the trade land
1: scenario, uh, yeah. I think, right there. But yeah, I mean, if he lands, what are the the non like? I think everyone's talking about Detroit and Seattle as landing spots for him because it makes sense, like sitting a year behind Goff or Geno Smith. But I'm trying to think of like the the teams that are just a open book at quarterback right now. Where you'd want him to land, it might be Las Falcons or so Trade up, the Falcons. Yeah, yeah, that's, those are good too.
3: Well, the Colts could sit there at four and probably just take him. The Colts could probably not trade at all, and I think he'll probably be there because I. Well, it depend. Obviously, depends on what the eventual trade between ch- what Chicago does with the first pick. But I, Houston's for sure taking Young or Stroud, and I don't. I think Arizona's just gonna sit and just take. Whoever, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm some not some defensive
2: player it. we don't know. Yeah. Will, Will yeah. Will Anderson, <laughs> Will Anderson <or> something.
3: <laughs> yeah. Will Anderson, or, or I guess probably not Jalen Carter because of this, uh, whatever, which, which sets up pretty, which sets up pretty good for Indianapolis. Although you sort of get the sense that that's the team that's going to take Will Levis, though. That's the, that's the, the, the fly in the ointment is that you get the sense that the Colts are the team that's going to take Levis. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: is that you're saying under the scenario where both uh, Young and Stroud are gone by four? Yeah. Irsay does not seem like a Richardson guy for he a really, couple of He reasons. really does. Yeah, just, he really <laughs> does.
3: And although, although this new, the guy they hired, Shane Steichen, he, he seems like an Anthony Richardson yeah, guy. He true. seems like, I just spent two years with Jalen Hurts. Like, let me get a more athletic, worse throwing version of Jalen Hurts and just coach him up, basically. Yeah.
1: Yeah. For what it's worth, on like grinding the mocks and similar sites, Anthony Richardson has jumped uh Levis. Grinding the mocks has him at, at fifth now, with Levis at at ninth. So I, I do see that for the Colts specifically, potentially going with Levis, but that that flip is pretty interesting post combine. And yeah, I wonder again, like how much of this combine bump from Richardson is real versus like double counting what we. It's
3: totally double down. counting.
1: Yeah, but I, I get, at the same time, like I think GMs are human too, and they see Richardson at the combine and they're like, God damn, like this guy's a freak. Like <laughs> they might be double the, counting it too.
3: It was the vert jump for me. It was the the, the, <laughs> the I mean, the the weight, the weight and the 40 and everything. Like I knew he was gonna be fast because I watched so much of him. But watching a man that size who's not a wide receiver generate that much velocity with his body, I'm like, you're just not gonna be
2: able to sack this guy. Like this guy's just not gonna be sackable. Well, do you know what else I thought was dumb? Like all the discourse, I was like, why do I care how tall, how high this guy can jump? It's like, we just watched Jalen Hurts and the Eagles like redefine what QB sneaks meant because of his athleticism yeah. and strength. You're telling me like what Cam Newton used to do at the goal line with overstretching that a guy who can jump out of the gym wouldn't be a good skill to have when you're near the goal line or trying to get a first down. Seems like a pretty handy thing to be I able mean, to do.
3: maybe the biggest play of the Super Bowl until... The, the hold, had had that stupid Smith-Schuster hold not happened, the biggest play of the Super Bowl would have been Jalen Hurts double efforting through for the two-point conversion where he was wrapped up three yards away and was just like, I'm not going down. And it's like, yeah, Bryce Young's never doing that. Bryce Young, you you have to yeah. throw on that play. You know, CJ Stroud, even, you have to throw on that play. But Anthony Richardson just... I I it's, He's going to be so good, but it's like there's going to be his first start or whatever, it's going to be a lot of people, the, the, the Anthony Richardson faders, like he's going to go like 10 for 27 with two picks. And there's going to be a lot of people who are like, you, why
2: would you take this guy? Well, think about I, what I always remember. Remember Lamar's first year, right? Where he took over what? It was like the last two to three games of the season, which for us best ball bros drafting these tournament teams, we would be stoked on that. They did not let him throw. He had a really high floor. He was putting up like 18 points a game. I don't think he ever crested even like 20 points. He had this like tight band where he was rushing a lot. He was giving you that floor. And it, that I do think that is the downside risk, right? Where it's like, he's getting it all on the ground. It's not clicking for him to throw. And he's actually more of a high floor than a high ceiling guy that first year.
1: Yeah. And, and P you're even underselling. I looked at Jackson's uh rookie year. I was kind of digging into, to comps Richardson. He averaged uh 21 points per game and was the okay, If you look at points per game over that six games, I think it was a seven game stretch actually that he, he started at the end of the year. He was at 21 points per game. So yeah, like you said, it was all rushing. Like the pass, the passing was kind of ugly, but that can get you to, you know, QB5, QB10 range in fantasy, even if you don't have the passing figured out yet. So um, yeah, we can, I don't know, we might as well jump into the charts uh, since we already talked about Richardson here. He is uh, once again, one of the biggest risers of the week, uh, topped only by Darnell Washington, um our guy here on on ship chasing so which is which uh, is not
3: i i need to i need to get ahead of this darnell washington is like a dog to score 50 fantasy points this year he, he this dude this is this man is going to be one of the most aggressive run blockers in the entire league i would like is, you know, is darnell keeper... washington available put darnell washington in the queue this guy you guys are gonna like him
2: this dude is massive oh shit this dude is
1: fucking massive
2: I just had to make sure you were putting some respect on our name here when we first a a clip. Come on.
1: He's
3: he's great. I'm not I'm not saying (laughs) I'm not saying like don't take him in dynasty. He's he's like he's gonna be a first round pick. But like I think Dalton Kincaid and Michael Meyer might catch, each of them might catch. 400%
2: 400% more passes each than him but isn't isn't that the most likely outcome for all of these rookies right that sure. they're not contributors sure. but in the event that they do get on the field and whether there's an injury or they carve out a role they have the athleticism and the talent profile to smash
3: i mean i guess i uh, so the kind of the way i think about rookie tight ends is i kind of like the guys more like and this is uh i mean i don't know this could be cold takes exposed but i kind of like the the isaiah likely guys where likely was like a good athlete but not like i, don't, I think his ras was like seven and a half or something like it was good but likely played at a smaller school in college and he was their leading receiver he just was so used to catching passes and his like uh i think likely had like an i think he led the ravens in targets per route run like it was not when he was on the field it was to run routes what, what you don't want with your rookie tight end is for him to become eric tomlinson you know that's that's not a good role, hmm. but it's t- it's yeah, it's that, tight end. So fair. it's t- if if in week seventeen, you know, he gets drafted by whoever, he's got a good role, uh, or he's, he's he's on the field. Like maybe you could compare it to something like would Noah Gray this last year, where he was blocking only, but had Travis Kelsey suffered an injury, like Noah Gray probably would have been a really good week seventeen guy you'd want to have.
2: Well, in the, the, the most likely scenario is he's like Darnell Washington ends up being like the Donald Parham type where we're forever chasing it because we could see the story and tell it, but it just like never pans out. And I think I've seen this take floating around and I think I agree with it. Like, isn't the flyer to take Sam Laporta? Isn't he the guy most likely to carve out a role by the end of the season where the teams are trusting him and he already has kind of the tools to immediately contribute?
3: Well, same deal. He was he was a leading receiver at a. I mean, I was not a small school, but it's not like it's a, tight end, college, you bro. Yeah, it's not a college football playoff school. Um, you know, I guess I guess um the other thing that's interesting at tight end is is I don't you're not really being asked to pay a huge price on Kincaid right now. I mean, he's he's two rounds cheaper, but again, he would be a guy where I'm like, he. Uh, he he didn't do anything at the combine because he's banged up, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But he he was same deal, like like actually a more competitive school, and was he wasn't their leading receiver this year. He was last year.
1: Yeah, and I think with these tight ends too, like so much so much of it, I think for me will come down to to landing spot, right? Like there's there's a ton of wide open tight end depth charts in the NFL right now. Like Dallas if Schultz leaves, Cincinnati Hurst is a free agent. Uh, Gerald Everett's a free agent for the Chargers. Like, if one of those guys lands in in one of those spots, um, they're going to shoot up boards. We also it, often see rookie. Is it finally
3: Parm season? Are they finally? Are the Chargers just going to roll with Parm year year seven for Donald Parham?
1: It's either that
2: or giving Josh Palmer ten targets a game, which sounds awful.
3: <laughs> so bad,
2: <laughs> hate it.
3: Um, all right, let's move. Let's move to Richardson. Last thing on Richardson. Yeah. So I think the popular comps for him, how his career could go are it's Lamar, it's Josh Allen, and it's Jalen Hurts. Those are those are kind of the the one and and Cam Newton actually. So and I said this to Sam before the show, I actually think the Allen comp makes a lot of sense because which is kind of actually bad for fantasy for this year because Allen was not a good thrower at Wyoming. He really wasn't. You go back and look at it. Like this guy was not winning games. They were, they were he was not good at Wyoming. But he had all the tools. And you would think that because he's so big and he's such a good rusher, and that's what we associate with him now, that he would have been good for fantasy as a rookie, but he wasn't. He was awful. And I think that Richardson can work out long term. I think you know he could he can end up getting the mega deal by the end of his rookie contract and still just be kind of, kind of like 15, 16, 17, 18 fantasy <laughs> points per game as a yep. rookie.
1: I guess to, to push back slightly on that, like so um in the context of ADP this year Richardson at 150 is still the quarterback 25 big Josh difference. Allen is yeah Josh Allen is rookie year he put up 17 points per game that was good enough for quarterback 18 so so I'm with you there like if if his ADP rises to the Trey Lance range of like 90 to 100 then I start to like get that argument a little bit more but I think at 150 like if he gets 17 points per game that, that's a like a small win at that price now he definitely has more downside risk to, to not start games, but um I think it's just like 150 seems high and he's risen a ton, but it's still like not that crazy for the
3: overall the quarterback, quarterback makes these ADPs different than they would have been historically because the top end quarterbacks are going so high, which is even pushing up that vanilla tier of of you know pocket passers.
2: I think yeah. one thing that's really interesting about Richardson. And how his ADP is gonna go is going to be in the difference between the pre and post-draft contests, right? Where having the 20 rounds, it makes the three QB builds with Richardson. It just feels like pure upside. I'll tack him on as my third QB, yeah. and I can still survive advance. I can win. When we get to best ball mania, if his ADP moves up, you are basically only going to be able to pair him with like a Mahomes Allen Hurts in a Q in a two QB build or be forced to use him in three QB builds. You know, like, you aren't going to be able to do Jared Goff and Anthony Richardson builds, like, in in Best Ball Mania. So I think the, like, the way you're able to draft him is going to really narrow for Best Ball
1: Mania 4. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I wanted to bring up some other... I was thinking today, I was looking like quarterbacks drafted in the last 10 years or so in the, you know, top 20 picks that came in with pretty unpolished uh, passing profiles, but... Strong, strong to medium-ish rushing profiles. Some other guys I thought of that are not really brought up in the context of Richardson for for a variety of reasons. But Daniel Jones is maybe another one, not the best passing prospect, but really athletic. He averaged 17 points per game his rookie year. So that's sort of another median outcome you could think of. A couple other guys that were more like face plants, I'd say, were Mitch Trubisky and Ryan Tannehill. Their rookie years were pretty disastrous. They were at 10 points per game but they did start a bunch of games at least the rookie year and then i guess the other downside comps are obviously like trey lance um jordan love you could say but those guys are different for a variety of reasons um but yeah just want to bring those those comps up in the context uh, of richardson for what you know potential range of outcomes for his rookie year
2: what's this boomerang think- graphic here uh, oh yes <laughs> <to do>
1: one? <laughs> boomerang yeah i didn't have to update the legend but uh Boomerang is a guy who was the biggest faller the week before, and now Boomerang to the biggest riser. So people BTFD, um, all right. Yeah, Chase Brown, he was falling a bunch. I think there was just no buzz about him, but he had a really strong combine. Um, so yeah, he's probably a good guy uh, worth talking about. Pretty strong, um, forty time high relative athletic score. Um, I think he was a you know you know five year guy, strong producer as a senior. I'm actually curious, Davis, on your take on him as a prospect because, um, you know, curious if you think this bump from the combine is something you're buying or if he's a guy you're not that interested in.
3: No, I mean, this is like the exact type of guy I'm pretty interested in. Like he got better every single year. Would make sense. Uh, mm-hmm. Makes sense why he was not an early declare because he only got to play. He he was right there in the middle of that COVID stuff. His early declare year would have been 2020, so he never really got the start really did well in his age 21 season. And then his final season was just a stone workhorse for a not very good team. Like if this guy was a wide receiver, you know, Cedric Tillman, like I've got real concerns about Cedric Tillman overaged, Uh, you know, stayed at school when he could have left and, and probably cost himself some money because Hyatt was so much better than him this final season. Um, But for a running back, I don't really care. I like r- running back to me is kind of like, three pronged. It's like one, are you are you a Deuce Vaughn type where it's like best case scenario, you're getting like 12 touches a game, or can you can you just be James Connor? Two, what does your athleticism look like? Obviously a huge boon, I think, when your athleticism goes up. And then three, can I squint and see something that an NFL team will love about you? Cause that's that's really what we're looking for. It's like which one of these guys is some running backs coach going to put on the film and be like you gotta, you gotta take this guy with a third-round comp pick. We need Chase Brown, and he shows up and's two hundred ten pounds and runs a four-four, like good enough for me.
1: That makes sense, and yeah, if you look at the the ADP versus uh, consensus um, consensus big boards, Chase Brown, according to NFL mock draft database, is ranked as the sixth highest running back in terms of consensus big boards, and he's going as like the RB 16 um, in terms of rookie running backs by ADP. So to me, that just seems like a pretty easy buy. And I expect his ADP to rise to the, you know, 180 range uh, just based on the combine results. So definitely seems like a buy at the 220 spot. Um, Yeah. Other, other groups of guys, we should talk about here. A couple of saints pass catchers show up here as risers. That's obviously based on, the Derek Carr news, and I think even Chris Olave would be close to making the cut here if um, you know, we extended this to 20 or 30 players instead of just 10. But again, both Rasheed Shahid, who's risen now for two weeks in a row, and Jawan Johnson are up here in terms of risers. Uh, Pete, curious if you've been mixing in Saints stacks since the Carr news and what your overall uh, take is on, on the Saints prices here.
2: Yeah, I haven't been going out of my way. It's funny. I actually feel like uh, Shahid and Johnson are available for me in drafts, but it does seem like Carr is uh, always off the board uh, now a little bit earlier than I'm comfortable with. I'm not sure if the data backs that up or if that's just anecdotally in my drafts, but I think it makes sense, right? The market, I think, is correct to push Shahid up, who could be the Matt Collins for Derek Carr, Juwan Johnson, who could do a poor man's Darren Waller and maybe stay healthier, and Olave being the Devontae Adams. So, I certainly get the enthusiasm, or slightly more enthusiasm now that it's not you know some Taysom Hill and Andy Dalton hybrid at quarterback.
3: Yeah, I mean, we're still we're still taking Taysom though. <laughs> <laughs> we we give.
1: <laughs> we talked about the, the the Taysom to uh, Shahid stacks are the key to to winning BBM four. I mean, <laughs>
3: Pete, the 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 Taysom thesis has has done nothing but improve, right? Because James. No, no, no. That,
1: it hasn't improved because you had
2: legit like Andy Dalton bench risk and Taysom Hill getting the job that way. Where it's like but, Derek but, Carr's not going to get benched.
3: It seems like Jameis, it seems like Jameis is they're they're renegotiating it, Like it just seems like that relationship is a little bit fractured. It seems like Jameis might not be on the team, which gives more room for Taysom in case of injury. But he was the, t- he was the fucking tight end, he was the tight end six like throwing like 20 passes, like the thesis remains intact.
1: Yeah. I will note here uh, uh, with Jawan Johnson um, to put a little FUD on his name. He's a free agent right now. So I'm not entirely sure why he like, I think people are assuming he comes back to the Saints. It's probably likely he comes back to the Saints, but um guys like Hurst, guys like Gerald Everett, they're falling because they have uncertainty of whether they're going to be back. I think the market is just like, assuming johnson's on the saints and that's pushing him up but i'd be a little nervous ab- about that one um if he continues to rise higher because he could but he could but
3: you could job. argue you could argue it's bullish if he gets like a two-year 12 million dollar deal right like like the hayden Hurst contract you know like hayden Hurst was useless for the ravens but then found a team that actually wanted to use him and it ended up being way better for him i mean i think the market's yeah. doing the same thing with dalton schultz like dalton schultz is not going to be a cowboy but it's probably good for him to not be a Cowboy because whoever's going to sign him is going to want him.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. I think, yeah, it, it definitely introduces volatility. Um, I was just interpreting it in the context of like uh, the Saints ADPs are rising and I think Johnson's getting caught up in that basket, but in that. he's not actually on the Saints right now. So I'd just be a little, a little careful, but I, I agree with your point. There's definitely better this- landing spots than the Saints.
3: This Jerome Ford one is interesting because I think uh, the market is again making another assumption that Dearness Johnson is not going to be on the Cleveland Browns. But I would assume that if Hunt leaves, which is what everyone's sort of anticipating, that Dearness Johnson would be ahead of Ford for whatever, you know, because I think they can, I think they still have a restricted ability on him. Maybe that's wrong, but I would imagine that dearness johnson
2: would end up being ahead of jerome ford maybe maybe it's not true i think they liked jerome ford more in the passing game though it would be like dearness johnson would be like the chubb replacement and ford would be more like the cream hunt but because wasn't wasn't yeah. ford's like passing down role um more entrenched last season when uh when he was getting in the game compared to dearness
3: well i don't i think he i literally think he barely played I don't even, was he
2: even active? I remember, uh, the, the reason I remember this is because I had been drafting a shit ton of Dearness Johnson because we were all hoping for like the two for one where Kareem Hunt would get like traded or something and then right. he would get that um, and then it never panned out and then Dearness like never carved out much of a role.
3: Well, I guess what would actually probably be bullish is that Jerome Ford's almost for sure going to be on the roster because he was their primary kick returner last year. So that that which is sort of mm. the Isaiah Pacheco thesis from last year, which is that he's going to make the game day roster. So, yeah, I mean, it's like they're both they're both pretty interesting, just because that's a really good backfield to be investing in, and we don't have any clarity yeah. there. So probably they're both good stabs.
1: Yeah, I like the Ford pick. I I'm glad this popped in 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 the charts because i had never even thought to take him, but it seems it seems pretty smart. Um, given tons of free like, agent. He-
2: there's some fun ones like this of like it would, because right now you have the rookies and none of them, they're all just like black boxes. And we tell us ourselves the most rosy story. Same with all these free agent guys. Like there are so many good options right now that I think even more than ever, like scrolling down past the guys that are drafted in everyone is such a good strategy. Like one that I drafted the other day, cause I was like on a Minnesota build and I took Ty Chandler late. Um, just being like some of these guys who aren't getting drafted That correlate with your team that have some kind of like prospect profile that hints that they could seize a good role, and then plus you get you know Madison potentially leaving. Who knows the deal with Dalvin Cook? But just like a thought that it is easy to click like our Pierre Strongs who are like being drafted now in every single draft at the end. And just as the badge bros say, scroll just a little bit further down.
3: Well, that's the um, that's the Samaj Pirin thesis from last year. Like Pirin was was not drafted in every league. In fact, I think he was drafted. Quite a bit less than Chris Evans was, yeah. And Chris Evans like literally did not see the field, and P Ryan was super valuable throughout the course of the season. Um, Yeah,
1: I yeah, yeah. I had like thirty percent Chris Evans. I don't know where that year worm got into my brain, but I was just clicking. that was like the I, ball I, I, Yeah, <laughs> I
3: know, I know where it was. It was Josh Norris. Josh Norris was, yeah. a, big, was a big Chris Evans maxi. Uh, we we got Van Jefferson here planting a flag on March tenth. Tutu atwell scores more fantasy points than Jefferson. I was Jefferson. just going to say isn't Tutu
2: better than Van Jeff?
3: Yes. Yes he is. I I think I think uh again, I'm not drafting a ton right now. Mental health. Like it's good it's good to be doing this and keeping track of stuff and knowing what ADP's are, but I just know I get so burnt out by August and if I was just doing five drafts a day right now, I would have nothing left to try and get to uh, you know, 0.5 of a career in 2023, but Tutu at Well, right now I'm, I'm flag planning. Like I will have a ton. If assuming he remains outside of the top 150 picks, I'm going to be like, he's going to be my Tyquan Thornton. He's going to be my, my equivalent of, of Pete's Tyquan Thornton. <laughs> <laughs> and,
2: but the, what you really oh, yeah. want is Pat's equivalent of Tyquan Thornton. So you win the $2 million with him, not just have your yes. Sklansky bucks.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Sklansky's, Sklansky's still spend at some institutions. <laughs>
1: Uh, I think uh, Levis is another interesting one here, just based on the draft capital. Like, if he's going to go in the top ten, maybe there's a little more uncertainty about that now with Richardson flipping him, But pick 200. I mean, especially in these uh, 20 round drafts where you're normally going three QB, I was taking a decent amount of Levis. Just like it's so cheap. We're always wrong about which quarterbacks are actually good and bad. And like, I don't know. If he goes in the top ten, he's going to start a bunch of games this year. I'm I'm pretty. Confident in that, outside of a couple uh, weird landing spots, um, so he's a guy that I'm okay with at that price.
3: I mean, this is the dynasty rookie draft argument that that leads to you ending up with Justin Herbert sometimes, you know, where where or, or Daniel Jones sometimes, where the market basically looks at the market tracks draft capital so closely until it's a guy they don't like, until it's like a guy who's not sexy, like Will Levis and his distribution fantasy points should just be like the quarterback who gets picked fifth sometimes you know but no one no yeah. one likes him
2: i'm I'm calling it right now next week uh levis has the boomerang after Reeves just like body bagged him on shift chasing on wednesday i think i think we start to see his stock drop <laughs> a little bit and he gets the boomerang treatment
3: yeah he's not a very good prospect but Neither was Daniel Jones. But
2: what, what do we think was contributing to his rise here? Because again, it like all the talk out of the combine was obviously Richardson, Stroud in the passing drills. Um, like where where is the steam coming from on him?
1: That's a good question. Was it like how was his testing? It was good, but not like above expectation, right? I thought it was just like average for what people I
3: I would think. say it's probably just quarterback quarterbacks just pushing up, right? I I would say I would say that's pretty much all it is. Is just the natural. So if Richardson's going early, that means a team that would have taken Richardson as their third quarterback in the twenty round draft missed out on Richardson. So they have to get another third quarterback because they structured their team in such a way to need three. Yeah. And 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 Hendon Hooker and McKee were like useless and are not gonna be not gonna play at all. So if there was any backdoor uh, of them starting, that's like totally gone.
1: I kind of buy that and like how I think a lot of people are approaching these drafts is just like there's 20 rounds you might as well get three quarterbacks unless you took like Josh Allen and you know Dak Prescott or something like that and then like there's a huge tier um, break at quarterback like after Levis I think like there's basically no one after him that you can really project to start games next year so I think it is that Davis where it's just like I want to get three quarterbacks like There's zero opportunity cost at pick 198. At the other positions, like just get me a quarterback who's going to start games, and you like that. That's going to make these guys creep up a little bit. I think.
3: Yes.
2: Yeah. I think that's correct. All right. At the risk of doing the, we're all trying to find the guy who did this. Why is Sky Moore continuing to go up? I we 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 barely even talk about him. Where is this coming from?
3: I think it's basically that Hardman is gone. I think it's just it's like almost confirmed at this point that Hardman's gone. There's been no. Hardman might take a discount to stay in Kansas City. Type, you know, it's just none of that. Like he, he's gone. So you, Do you
2: and think and rules the they even play. Like I just, I'm not even convinced. Sky Moore's role is like directly correlated. Doesn't to Juju? Yeah, I was
1: going does, does Juju matter more than Hardman? That's what I'm. That would be to think my through. thought. Yeah. I mean, but it's like
3: I guess they both yeah, matter. Yeah, it, it's like it's like Hardman was. Hardman also had the best targets per route run of his career, I believe. Like they were finding ways to use him more because he was having such a good season. And so I would say probably they're, well, shit. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what this is because MVS is on the team. MVS is not coming off the field. I, what if you're, if you're wanting to be a Sky Moore bowl, what you would be saying is the Justin Watson stuff is done. Justin Watson just, just disappears and Sky eats all of those
1: snaps somehow the pro- the problem with that thesis is like justin watson was like a veteran minimum contract so if someone like him can come in and immediately overtake sky like that's what scares me is it's like i don't think it takes much in terms of a slot wide receiver to have me worried about sky's playing time like i don't know isaiah mckenzie get, gets cut from the bills and he goes to the chiefs like he could overtake sky like i, I don't know like i'm pretty bearish on the talent for sky right now where i don't think it takes a ton um for him to get pushed back in the pecking order so i mean hey to be know.
3: fair to be fair he's got a really fucking cool name right cut it cut the bullshit
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> i i do think that like the the bull case is juju's not back then then we're gonna see sky be at a top 100 pick again <laughs> oh my god I can't do that.
3: It feels if to <laughs> me, to me, honestly, after watching Mahomes have the best season of his career and win MVP and win a Super Bowl while getting absolutely nothing out of Smith Schuster in the second half of the season, absolutely nothing out of MVS, absolutely nothing out of Sky. It's it's like I think the thesis was always like, yeah, you know, if you're in a Mahomes offense, like you're just going to be valuable for fantasy. But I I literally, it's like it's Tony and it's Kelsey. And whoever they decide to be the passing down back, like those are the guys who I think are going to provide the excess value. I like that. I just don't think they're any like. Even if Smith Schuster does get yeah. retained, I, I don't think he seems like he's going to do. He'll just be pretty useless again, probably.
1: I like that. And you know, speaking of of Chiefs passing down backs, I think this is an interesting one to talk about. Now we're now looking at the largest ADP fallers. A lot of similar names on here that we've seen before. The the Dusty tight ends, Ertz, Hayden Hurst, um, Brock Purdy, Injury News. Although he, he did finally get surgery today, but it continues to kind of look bearish. Uh, McKinnon is the one I want to talk about. He's fallen, I think, for three weeks in a row. And mm. my take on this when I saw it is just it's – I think people are forgetting what he did in the regular season. Obviously, he faded a bit in the playoffs, but he was a really good fantasy asset, particularly in best ball down the, the regular season stretch last year. Um, Obviously, you know, risky doesn't come back to the Chiefs, but my take at at pick 185 continuing to fall. I want some Derek McKinnon just on the chances he's back in that same role as last year. Um, Pete, what do you what do you think about McKinnon at that price?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm with you. I had. I had been one of the guys who had been passing on him, but as he continues to drop, I, I do think I haven't been taking a lot of Mahomes just because I haven't been taking a lot of early QB. But I do. I don't know if I said this on another show, but I think I would be feel much more comfortable tacking McKinnon on to Mahomes stacks, just knowing it's so directly correlated with him having that role and the Chiefs' offense rolling that. I don't necessarily love him quite as much as like a one-off but yeah as his price drops i mean there's there's not that much risk with it and we're not gonna let pat push this fucking ceh take
3: well isn't it isn't it i mean to me it's a little bit concerning that he was not really used in their playoff games that that is that that feels that feels not great that that's actually sort of similar to what happened with damian williams if we want to put our brains there that that Damian williams took on this outsized role in his first playoffs and mckinnon 11 carries against the jaguars four carries against the Bengals, four carries against the eagles and and did get uh seven targets in the playoffs but was out targeted in the playoffs by pacheco but also jarek mckinnon is about to turn 31 and i just i mean you know the team let darrell williams let go darrell williams was was so useful for them um good pass blocker, all that stuff. But when I, I just, I don't It just yeah. feels like he's probably That's not That's my thing is like,
1: he doesn't have to be the starter going into the year. He doesn't even have to be like mm-hmm. the second guy going into the year for this pick to be worth it. Right. That's what I'm, what I I'm agree. thinking with McKinnon is like, he's a guy they trust. I doubt they're going to make a big splashy, like free agent running back signing. Like they don't need to that their cap situation. It's probably better spent on wide receiver or defense or O line. Like if McKinnon, McKinnon's not going to cost them much. I think, think he's more likely to be back than not, but um, yeah. And that's when you look, ball, when you look where he's going,
2: he's going around like super fringe rookie picks like Tank Bigsby and Zach Evans and Kendry Miller. He's going uh, like handcuff running backs um, or free agent running backs like Jalen Warren, Rashad Penny. Like there just isn't a huge opportunity cost where he's going.
3: What if Deuce Vaughn is the seventh round draft pick for the Kansas City Chiefs? What if we can, we can, we, we willed, we willed, uh, Sky Moore to the Kansas City Chiefs. Can we use our powers for good and will do Spawn to be the passing down back for Kansas City? Well, that would he's be the guy who like
1: tested in smaller than than you, right, Davis? Or
3: he's literally the smallest player in the history of the NFL combine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty nuts. But I just, I just, I don't know. He, he's, he's, uh, he's, a, he's like, what was Doug, Doug Martin, the muscle hamster dude? He just oh, is, yeah. he's, he's small, but he's absolutely rocked up um what if robert Woods signs with the kansas city chiefs though that is that is something Uh, i don't even want to i don't even want to put that out there but it does feel like he could be like the demarcus robinson or whatever
1: woods is the one i did want to bring that up because it's it's obviously disgusting but at pick 226 like okay he, he looked dust last year but he was coming off an acl tear like we have seen guys take two years to come back from that now like is he coming back to being the old Robert Woods like definitely not but he feels a little bit like the the Julio closing line value pick for last year where <laughs> you're going to you're going to get CLV <laughs> on this pick it might not pay off but those those April victory laps on Robert Woods are going to get a lot of engagement so so draft him out
3: well you you probably have multiple outs with Robert Woods cuz he's definitely signing for a good team but uh, he's not Robert Woods is not continuing his career to go catch passes from Jared Stidham in las vegas you know it's like his market is probably bills chiefs eagles uh cowboys maybe you know some some team that has reasonable postseason aspirations yeah
2: it does this, a return a return to the buffalo bills for robert woods and then like doing what they've done with Jamison crowder and cole beasley that almost seems too perfect
3: yeah that yeah uh adam thielen in kansas city we we don't want him wait that that's <laughs> <yeah>. so so <laughs> This this comment is your your heart's in the right place, but I actually think anyone Kansas City brings in, I think they kind of learned their lesson with Juju. Actually, I think anyone they bring in, they're going to be like, "Can you still run a four four? If not, it's just you don't fit in what we're doing." We we got we got two really good slow guys in Noah Gray and Travis Kelsey, who basically cannot move up the field with a quickness, and uh, everyone else has got to be able to book it.
1: Where is Thielen going now? I know he's not on this chart, but okay, he's going to pick one seventy-three. I don't know. I don't. I guess I don't know. I'm not going to force a take on that one. That that seems. I'll
3: I'll force it. I'll force a take. I'll (laughs) I'll force a take. Adam Thielen going to be a really good advance rate player. Probably turns in sixty catches, eight hundred yards, five touchdowns. Right. He he does the Jamison Crowder you're just you're absolutely drawing dead to be needing Adam Thielen in week 17 that's my <laughs> that's my take adam thielen is is like reverse what you want
2: you have to hit like a four leg parlay it's like he goes to the perfect landing spot there's an injury in front of him he like taps into the fountain of youth and he has like a two touchdown game in week 16 like that's like what, what yep. you have to do with thielen god yeah, that's going to be when he's like
1: fucking leaving <laughs> next year god, <laughs> <laughs> he probably needs to to switch the slot now too, right? Like, I don't think he can win on the outside anymore, so he's got to evolve to the the Ertz-Gerald, uh role somewhere. Um,
3: mm, yeah, I, I mean, if Adam Thielen was tight end eligible, sign me up. I would be all over this dude if he was tight end eligible.
1: Yeah, I mean, if Taysom's tight end eligible, I don't see why not.
3: This um, this. This Brock Purdy ADP, I, I don't have any takes on Hurst, McIntosh, Zemir White, or or McBride, really. Yeah. But Purdy, now that I, I guarantee, when we do this next week, we're gonna have we're gonna have the boomerang probably on Purdy because of the news that he had uh, successful surgery literally today, and he is expected to be basically cleared by week one, which was kind of not. We talked about Purdy last week. That was not the conversation. It was kind of the opposite.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think it'll swing back around. Um, I mean, it feels like, Pete, I think I heard you talk about this on a podcast. Like, to me, I'm kind of not that interested in Lance or Purdy unless I'm stacking. And then I think if you're stacking, like, it's totally fine to to take either. I, I know you talked about how, like, if you miss out on Lance, you'll tack Purdy onto your Ayuk or Kittle teams. And mm-hmm. like, I think that's totally fine. Like, I think it's A very unpredictable situation like the injury there's a ton of uncertainty about that lance we have no idea how good he is if he's going to hold on to that job like it it feels to me like i think you know san francisco's super bowl odds are still like the fourth highest in the nfl so like the market believes that san francisco is going to be good somehow it's just like i don't know if it's with purdy or with lance so like i'm fine with stacking um I'm probably st- I'm stacking either of those guys, but I'm probably not taking that much on stacks. Um,
2: yeah. And especially like, if you think about like Brock Purdy's ceiling, you know, like how often is Brock Purdy getting to 30 points in a game and he's going to be your QB three in these big board builds. So how many times is he displacing your top two quarterback scores in a really important week? It just, it definitely seems like a, a tougher need- needle to thread, but he's also extremely cheap. So,
1: yeah, he did have that, uh, you know, against Seattle in the playoffs. He did put me uh, in first place very briefly in the FF- FFPC playoff challenge. With uh, I think he had like 35, 40 point game. Um, uh, but the yeah, I shot
2: equity was high.
3: He did because because Pete really P- told me, Pete told me I shouldn't be taking Mahomes Purdy teams in uh, the 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 mitten returns or whatever. And then he- how'd that work
1: <laughs> out for you? I could,
3: I got him, I got him a Mahomes Purdy team to the final. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I didn't want to bring up the the Purdy uh, playoff stuff for Pete. I know that's uh, really triggering. Yeah, it's a sore subject here. Uh,
2: What about, so we, we mentioned Robert Woods. We got some other dusty vets on here, Zach Ertz, Hayden Hurst, and then some rookies. What else jumps out to you guys on the fallers?
3: Zamir White I guess cuz I guess the market is maybe saying like uh he's maybe not even for sure the handcuff Jacobs is on the franchise tag or whatever like there was some chance that Zamir White was the starting running back for like a tanking Raiders team next year or whatever um I don't know we'll yeah. see they'll probably yeah
1: The Sean Tucker one jumps out to me I'll actually I'll use this to jump into the the rookies um we're not looking at rookie Uh, ADP versus the NFL mock draft database consensus big board. Sean Tucker was one that was popping for a while. It's just like his ADP on underdog made no sense when you compared it to like how consensus big boards ranking these guys. Like he's at pick 140, but he's only viewed as like the RB 12 to 15 in this class, like behind guys like chase Brown, Kenny McIntosh, Zach Evans that are going much later in underdog draft. So I never was taking him up there. I guess I'm not like, huge into the dynasty community to know exactly why he had so much buzz on on underdog initially but i think it was just a bad adp that's that's going to correct over the next couple weeks like i think he'll continue to fall uh, but i yeah don't claim to to know much about him individually just sort of from a macro lens adp didn't make sense to me
3: yeah i mean he's probably going to be a day three pick so that i, I think you're probably right
2: it feels good to see A-chain where he's going because he's a guy I just continue to select over and over. I've been surprised after his combine that people aren't chasing him up more. I thought for sure I would have been priced out of him, and he just, like, falls in most of my drafts.
3: Well, people thought he was going to run, like, a four-two-five, So his, his combine was actually viewed as, like, slightly disappointing.
2: Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean... At- which is crazy too, because when you're thinking about like the functional use of like speed at those levels, like, I mean, what's her, what was, wasn't he four three? Like, yeah, I mean, four, yeah. four,
3: three, four, I think.
2: It's like, yeah. do we really think that's impacting what he's able to do on the football field
1: versus if he was four two nine?
3: You never know, Peter. Yeah. I mean, plus like the,
1: I saw I'm not gonna remember who showed this, but someone like extrapolated his his track times to like his 40 times. Like I think he's had recorded times at like real events that are faster than his 40 time was, if that makes sense. Like it's it's kind of known that like he, he could be, you know, maybe 429, maybe for whatever reason that day. He was just slightly slower. So I don't think the speed is a concern with him. Um but again, to your point, Davis, of like and NFL, An NFL team just needing to see like one trait and they running back to fall in love with them on day two. Like A-Chain has that, right? Like I, I feel yes, pretty good exactly. about the draft capital compared to – like you see a huge tear break here from A-Chain to like the next cluster of guys. Like there's so much uncertainty, you know, af- after him and Charbonnet. I think those are the last two. That uh, we can
3: all the people about. taking Charbonnet are so going to have turned on him by like week seven. They're going to be like this. This Brian Robinson ass plotting guy. They're gonna be just everyone's like, oh, draft capital, his highlights look cool because the UCLA uniforms are so eye-pleasing. And you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be week four. He's in a backfield split with Rashad White and just generating nothing, and people are gonna turn on him so hard.
1: <laughs> yeah, he he's kind of the guy who does, you know, everything okay, but but nothing great, right? Uh,
3: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Guy. The guy I keep. Ki- the guy I keep coming back to is Roshon Johnson. Where some team is just for sure drafting him to be the bodyguard of whoever <laughs> their young quarterback is. And I. I just that it's like a really it's a really valuable role in my opinion. And and people yeah, are didn't... stoked on this Kendra Miller guy who is good in college, but I've seen. Uh, our our buddy Dalton Cates was was launching some takes about him being like a really like a huge value in dynasty drafts, which is interesting.
1: Interesting. He did not test at the combine, is that right?
3: Yeah. I believe that is accurate. Yeah.
1: Okay, because I I haven't seen any buzz about him. Um, yeah, I know. Roche, on Roshan, I saw that like his forty time. I think some people thought he maybe was going to be like a freak athlete, and he wasn't quite that, but. For his size, his forty time was still good, and also I think his ten yard split was like one five three or one five four or something like that, which is quite good compared to the class, especially at his size. And I think some people even say that the, the ten yard split uh, is like more predictive than the forty yard dash for, for running back. So I thought that was interesting that his his split ten uh, yard split was still really high.
2: Is your guys' would your take be like this cluster up here? Um you know, after a chain um, and basically to just be sprinkling these guys in with a slight lean toward the guys above the trend yes. line, just knowing. And and to your point, Davis, like a guy like Charbonnet, like is probably much closer to these guys in opportunity and talent and role than he is to Gibbs.
3: Yes. Yeah. I think it's, it's uh talked about that with Karain on Monday. It's like B. in a tier of his own. Gibbs is in a tier of his own. Pretty big gap. And then honestly, I think Charbonnet's probably in a tier of his own. And, and honestly, I think you could argue even uh, our, our good friend Devin Ashenet uh, is also in uh, a tier of his own, then with a, a big grouping after that. And obviously a little, uh, this will uh, even out a little bit after the NFL draft and we know where these guys are going and how the NFL views them. But but like the way the way Sam has this graph plotted out looks about right to me, where it's kind of, th- you know, it's kind of throw your hands up and say, you know and, and one thing we do know that's i guess important to point out is that like m- minimum of four of these guys are going to be fantasy relevant you know we're going to have a, a tyler year who like no one's really in love with who just shows up and is like super useful in half ppr scoring
1: yeah i think it'll be really important to map out the landing spots and i don't fully have my mind wrapped around that yet but like you know if the Dolphins take a guy in round five and you know don't re-sign Mostert and only have Jeff Wilson back or something like that, like that's going to be a guy people target. Like you, I think like thinking through all of those depth chart outcomes is going to be really important for that sort of cluster of you know Kenny McIntosh to Ke- uh, Kendra Miller, that whole cluster there. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. I do want to get um, one guy that popped in the risers as we moved wide receiver here. Uh, was Marvin Mims? I think he was the third biggest riser after Anthony Richardson. Um, he had a really strong combine, but Davis, you, you're deeper on the prospect stuff than than both of us are. What is your take on on him as a prospect? And and is he the guy sort of like after Downs, Flowers, or Hyatt are gone? Is he like the? I, I think guy he's he be targeting.
3: I think he's better than Josh Downs. I think I think his chances of being. So he was he was like a, a a big speed guy at Oklahoma. I mean Downs is really small. Downs was like 173 pounds. Mims is too, but Mims is even faster. Mims was a higher tier of recruit, right? Oklahoma versus University of North Carolina. Mims is younger. Mims is an early declare. Mims was a freshman breakout. Like like he like he's. I mean, you know, he, you know, I mean, obviously it's lazy yeah. to do this, but like, it's not, it would not be surprising if his sort of NFL usage kind of mimics his former college teammate, Marquise Brown, that would, that would sort of be the hope basically. And I, I, I kind of see it.
1: He should like looking at this chart, like he should be going ahead of not ahead of Keyshawn Booty at this point, right? Like draft capital. Yeah. But, no, right no. Booty him. is,
3: he's done he's done he yeah he he so he hit the uh the parlay of character concerns injury senior year underperformance and shitty combine it's like i like i think i think he could have showed up to the combine and made himself a first round pick i i wouldn't be surprised if he goes day three now
1: yeah and he doesn't even have like the the injury excuse that we saw for guys like um you know uh why am I blacking on the Steelers wide receiver George Pickens? Pickens, uh, who obviously had the the excuse last year with injury, like he doesn't have any of that. Maybe some off the field stuff, but it really seems pretty pretty bad for him at this point.
3: That was that was the hope. The hope was that Booty would be like, because he was like a five star recruit, went to LSU, yada yada. The hope was that what happened for Pickens would happen for him, which is strong combine. You know, did a good job in in the interviews and everything. It just does not sound like that's happening for. him i i think the guys that i would push up the most would be tillman hutchinson and and
2: mims probably and would you guys agree like looking at this cluster similar to the running back cluster i mean it's just it's so much easier for me to select these random running back flyers than it is these rookie wide receiver flyers because at least we're talking about mims he has the traits in the speed to get on the field and be a spike week guy, like when it matters the most. But some of these guys, like the path, just seems so much harder, especially with where their draft capital is going to be.
1: And even like if some of these guys get the sort of taekwon Thornton unexpected round two pick, like they're not going to rise that much. Like you know, Tyquan Thornton, I think was picked two hundred last year, right? Obviously, terrible situation in New England, so that contributed to it. But like. But my point being is, like, even if one of these guys gets unexpected draft capital, the market's not going to be that excited about them. So I'm not, like, worried about taking them now. Like, I'll, I'll take them when they rise 20 or 30 picks. But I don't want to take a bunch of Xavier Hutchinson or something and have it turn out that he's, you know, like the Seth Williams of a couple of years ago or, or some oh, of these guys man. that just yeah. fall off the face of the earth. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. That That is sort of, like, the the general risk to be run. Yeah.
1: Yep. Let's move on to, um, the stacks here. Um, so now we're looking at average double stack ADP. So this is taking the quarterbacks ADP averaged with their top two pass catchers, which can be either running back or, uh, sorry, either tight end or wide receiver, uh, for pass catchers, I also added in here um, the odds to win the Super Bowl in this chart as just like a rough proxy of how good do we think the offense is going to be. You know, obviously that's not a one-to-one correlation, but generally you see teams with high odds of winning the Super Bowl on the left of the chart, teams with uh, low odds on the far right-hand side of the chart. Uh, The team that I think is most interesting and we've touched on them before is the Jets. Um, If you look at the double stack ADP, they're like one of the six or seven cheapest teams. Now that doesn't factor in Rogers. Um, if Rogers were to be factored into that, that'd be a little bit more expensive, but still pretty cheap. Um With this news that the Rogers deal is sort of coming together a little bit in New York. um, Do you think they should be uh, a lot higher? And I guess I'll throw that to you, Pete. Um, have you been doing some Rogers uh, Jets stuff in these drafts?
2: Um I, I did a little bit. I'm not like going out of my way. Um, to do it necessarily. Uh, also, we should mention that our the preeminent uh, owner source around these places. Crack rock has even kind of walked back. You know, he said it's, it's happening. It's a dud deal. Rogers to the jets. And then he goes, there's a fly in the ointment. And that is Devonte Adams relationship with Aaron Rodgers, And now the Raiders making a push here. So, which is what we all thought all along, right? The conventional wisdom was Adams was going to be a pretty, pretty big draw for Rogers. So I don't know. I think, it's one of those things that i know it's like a cop-out to say as a tiebreaker like if you're deciding between two quarterbacks you have garrett wilson like aaron Rodgers in that range obviously makes sense but i think it's a little silly to be like going out of your way to try to guess these free agent stacks
3: yeah yeah i mean that 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 seems about right especially because like you know there's there's sort of this weird element of like there's going to be I, I feel like if somehow uh, Best Ball Mania 4 was open now and we were drafting these teams now versus what would be drafting in six months, then I'd be like, yeah, it's so much more likely that I have like this really unique Aaron Rodgers, Garrett Wilson, uh, you know, CJ Uzama, whatever, you know, Tyler Johnson stack. Um, but, because, but because it's going to be in such a compressed, time form and because the total number of teams are lower, I think the uniqueness matters a little bit less too. So again I am not saying I'm not saying not to do it, but it's it wouldn't be yeah. something I'd be like every time I take Garrett Wilson, I'm putting the star on Aaron Rodgers.
1: The thing that's tough too is like it feels to me that Garrett Wilson's price is already like baking in Rodgers being there. Like he's Right. Way up there um, in the end of the second round. And I know there's people who are super bullish on him. He had he had an amazing rookie year. But to me, like it's tough to see him going that much higher. Um, even when Rodgers uh even if Rogers does go there. So yeah, what are we
3: gonna be take Garrett Wilson in the first round? You know, like probably not. Around here, no. maybe, but in most yeah. sane
2: drafts, no.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um and again, and also you- like no, go ahead, Pete.
2: I was just going to say, if if Rodgers doesn't go to the Jets, who do you guys think is the most likely quarterback to be their week one starter? Zach Wilson.
1: That's the thing with the Wilson ADP. Like, I I don't want to be the anti-Wilson guy, but it's it's not accurately capturing the downside risk of Wilson being back and starting or just like, you know, your Jacoby Brissett, like, you know, Jared Stidham, whatever, like the, you know run-of-the-mill free agent quarterback signing is if Rodgers doesn't go there. I don't think it's factoring the downside enough um, at the end of the second round. So I'm a little hesitant on taking him just because of that. Like, I think I'll still get him at the same price even if Rodgers goes there. But I think he does fall, like, maybe a full round, at least a half a round if, if it's a bad situation there.
3: If we um, know Zach Wilson is still on the roster and they don't have a veteran solution, which I think, I, I don't know. Feel it would feel crazy for them to do that given how good they were, uh like at every other position than quarterback last year, but there's got to be some chance that that's what they do. And and removing that chance entirely makes Garrett Wilson a different pick.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um other teams that that stand out here, I think, uh the Giants are super cheap. Um I think you know, they're likely to add a, a free agent wide receiver or maybe someone in the draft. So I think it's a little bit tough to like project Hodgins and Slayton and Bellinger as like the top pass catchers now, because I think a lot will change in their passing room. But uh, if those are the top guys, I think that like, you know, you can always backdoor a Daniel Jones giant stack that I think has pretty solid weekly upside given Jones is rushing and, you know, you can always connect on a deep ball to Slayton or, random touchdown to Bellinger. So I like that one. If you're sort of feeling boxed out of stacks uh, later in drafts, anything else standing out to you guys here as a uh, teams that are either too cheap or too expensive um, for these double stacks.
2: I mean, the giants one does stand out to me. I've been surprised with now that we have so much clarity, they're getting the band back together with Daniel Jones and Barkley. Like the fact that Slayton and Hodgins and Richie James are all so cheap and we're all really good at different points in the playoffs and down the stretch last year. I, I, I am a little confused about that ADP.
3: Uh, I mean, Dallas, I guess. So like theoretically Dallas looks a little bit low, but yeah. then you realize that it's Mike McCarthy and Brian Schottenheimer in charge. So it's like, sure. Yeah. Dak and CD and, and Gallup and these guys had crazy, you know, like, like thermonuclear ceilings in given weeks. But it's just like I don't know how much are they going to be able to access that, and are they going to draft another running back and and cut Zeke? What are they going to do for third wide receiver? Are they going to play Jalen Tolbert or is are they going to sign Odell Beckham? Like what are they going to do? So at at first blush it looked a little bit low, but after actually saying all that out loud, I'm like yeah no I I, I think I get it. I think it makes I think it's, it's about right. Yeah,
1: it's tough too to project who that that second guy is going to be. Um, anyways, Pete, I know you have a hard out at two. I think, uh, Davis and I will stay on for a bit longer to talk, uh, a few, a few more points here on the market movement, but before you leave, do you have, uh, your favorite value right now by ADP that you want to, want to tout, um, for well, we,
2: we we have mentioned him on the show, but I, I feel like I'm selecting Marvin Mims in basically every draft I'm doing right now. And he does just feel like a guy who's going to continue to jump up, like I wouldn't be surprised to see him. You know, you think back to like last year where Alec Pierce ended up as just like a 13th, 14th round pick in almost every draft. I feel like Mims is like almost certainly headed there, if not maybe a smidge higher. I
1: yeah, like that one. I, I yeah. Got,
3: I got no issue with that. I think he's um, going to
1: be, I think he'll even before the draft rise 30 spots or so. So we'll see. Um,
2: uh well thank you guys for having me great work with the show thank you guys everyone for hanging out I'm going a dip but these two will hold down the fort.
1: Better
3: Peter. Anything else
1: here you wanted to to touch on uh, from a team perspective? I, I guess the, the only other one for me uh, besides from teams we already talked about, I think the Rams uh, we talked about before that's a good one. But maybe maybe a new one that I'll throw out here is is. Denver, um, I'm not super confident in it, but I think, you know, quarterbacks do have just bad seasons, and Russell Wilson's version of a bad season was much worse than what we've seen from, you know, Aaron Rodgers' down years in Green Bay or Tom Brady's down years on the Patriots, Um, but I I think the market does tend to overreact to these outlier down years uh, for guys sometimes, and, it's certainly, you know, I'm not going to be building my teams with 25% Russell Wilson stacks, but I think Denver is, is pretty fairly priced, um, and you can do, like, a mega stack of them in a pretty affordable way and just bet on um, Russell Wilson sort of returning to form with uh, a coach that's not Nathaniel Hackett.
3: I don't hate that one because it could just be – sort of similar to the Jaguar stuff this last year, just betting yep. that Nathaniel Hackett was just like an all-time loser who's got no ability to control or understand uh, an NFL locker room. I, I like that. Another one, honestly, the new England Patriots, uh, just like having an offensive coordinator feels like it could be an edge because they were yeah. <laughs> it's not, they were, you know, they were not, um, they were, they didn't blow the doors off anyone on offense in 2021, but they were a lot, lot better on offense than they were in 2022. Sounds like they're pretty much running everything back except removing Jacoby Myers, who, you know, Jacoby Myers would is sort of like, um, you know, get Jamison Crowder. Like he, he can volume spike. He was nice, uh, especially weeks where he scored a touchdown, but you got to figure removing him from the offense just opens up a bunch of targets for other guys who have been really hard to keep on fantasy rosters the last couple of years, and and they'll probably draft someone. Maybe they make a trade. You know, maybe Hunter Henry evolves into a larger role. Maybe they finally figure out how to use Jonu. Like you, you I think mean, you can definitely stack Mac Jones with the running backs with Pierre Strong with Kevin Harris, whoever. Like it just feels like the Patriots will at least yep. be a comp- They'll be a competent team. And every team ahead of them looks non-competent. The Buccaneers will be non-competent. The the Titans will be non-competent. The Colts yeah. will probably be non-competent.
1: I like that one a lot, actually. And the interesting thing on this chart is I think it actually undersells how cheap they are because Jacoby Myers is that red uh, dash in the chart, and he's likely gone. So if you take him out of the equation, I think New England even jumps like Carolina and Houston as being like the absolute just most dirt cheap team uh, in fantasy right now um so yeah I like that quite a bit I, I I don't know the stat exactly but I think uh in 2021 so two years ago the Patriots were a top 10 uh scoring offense and offense in the league like Mac Jones had a good rookie year you know never, they were never something they that were, that were
3: like I think they were like top five in DVOA on offense in
1: 2021 yeah. And then you hire, um, you know, two of the biggest clown show uh, failed coaches in the league as your co-offensive coordinators, even though they've never coached offense before, and surprisingly, that didn't work. But um, yeah, it was really bad. <laughs> that yeah, that was horrendous. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like that one quite a bit. I actually don't think I've taken uh, any Mac Jones stacks, but you've definitely, you've definitely sold me on that one. Um, some gross, you know, backdoor Mac Jones, Taekwon Thornton, uh, Hunter Henry Stacks, which you can get like 16th, 18th, 20th round or something right now. So um, we're going to
3: get, we're going to get Bailey zappied on this.
1: Yeah, that's that actually. I mean, I don't want to, I'm, I'm a Patriots fan, so I could talk more about that, but I think that is at least worth monitoring in the offseason, uh, what the buzz is there because, um, yeah, I don't know how much. Belichick, the Belichick Mac Jones relationship. Um, I don't know how strong that is right now. So I'm monitoring that, but I'm I'm not I'm not gonna draft any zappi uh, right now. I
3: think let's I think let's that move on.
1: Prepare. Yeah. Um let's talk about uh the positional ADP stuff. I did want to hit on this on the show. Um actually I, I would recommend everyone check out this article that Hayden wrote um, a couple weeks ago. Uh, where he looked at the positional ADP this year uh, versus versus last year, and basically highlighted that running backs um, are going much cheaper, both quarterbacks and wide receivers are more expensive. So, I sort of took my own stab at visualizing this here. Uh, sort of what you want to look, want to look at is the the black bar uh, represents the current average ADP of the positional group. So, for quarterbacks, for example. They're going on average at like pick 50 quarterbacks, one through 12 um, in 2022. So last year when we were drafting baseball mania teams in August and September, the average quarter, uh, quarterback one was going at pick like 70 by ADP. So they've risen on average almost by like 20 spots by ADP uh, quarterback ones. And that's sort of been offset by running backs falling uh, by a similar amount running, running backs one and running back two. So running backs ranked one through 24 um, have dropped by about 20 spots from last year. So, yeah, I I just thought like, I I'm still thinking through how actionable this is. And like the quarterback stuff has talked, has been talked a lot about so far But like, I don't know. Part of me is wondering if just like our running backs just universally like mispriced right now. And I should be like, like, okay with taking guys in the dead zone because guys that are going in the dead zone now actually, like, in past years would be going in the second round and, and those types of players have good hit rates. Like, I don't know. I think there's there's a lot of things to, like, to think about here and what the implications are for fantasy. But, yeah, curious what your thoughts are of just running backs being much cheaper and both quarterbacks and wide receivers being being more expensive on underdog, underdog right now.
3: I mean, yeah, you just hit it which is that for you know for every uh for every action there needs to be an equal and opposite reaction and not only are quarterbacks being pushed up but wide receivers are being pushed up as well um you know Jalen Waddell, second round pick T Higgins second round pick Devonta Smith Chris Olave De- like these guys are DeAndre Hopkins being picked very high for a guy who's like 32 very yep. uncertain what team he's going to be playing for uh Amari Cooper I think a great example of a guy being drafted like very high given the context of the offense that he plays in Christian Watson, Christian Watson. I mean, yeah, sure. Ran, ran like God with touchdowns. I think he's obviously very good, right? I'm not, I'm yeah. not meaning, and I'm not even saying I don't get it, but the idea that for example, Christian Watson would be, um, you know, on average going ahead of Deandre Swift or Dalvin cook or his teammate, Aaron Jones or Damian Pierce. This this yeah. is an ADP that does not make any sense. Damian Pierce was a stone, Workhorse, young, crazy, athletic. The offense is going to be um so much better this year, right? I mean, like the the Davis Mills, Jeff Driscoll nonsense. Like at the very least, you were going to have a competent, high upside quarterback in that room. Uh, like, yeah. I mean that that is basically yeah. just the lesson is that these running yeah. backs are these running backs are especially in half PPR. there's full PPR especially, if it was yeah. DraftKings scoring. I think I think there's actually an argument that they're they're actually probably just being priced appropriately. And even inside of ADP, it looks like some of the ADPs to me are bad and they are exploitable. Like David Montgomery and Jamal Williams are both free agents right now. Why would Jamal Williams be going ahead of David Montgomery? Whatever team signs David Montgomery is going to sign him to be David Montgomery, you know. Whereas Jamal Williams yeah. has not earned that cachet
1: there's a pretty big, big age gap with those guys too. I think so. Yeah. That one makes no sense to me, but that I thought your Watson point was really interesting because like, I, I think that this is like, it's sort of emblematic of how we like these simple heuristics in fantasy football, which is, you know, draft second year wide receivers that flashed in year one. Cause traditionally those guys have always outperformed hit rates, but guys like Christian Watson, who like played, you know, only six or seven games um, as a full-time player, would not have been going like in the early fourth round, you know, three, four, five years ago. In there, there's like, an argument
3: the Lance- he wasn't even the best rookie wide receiver on his team. There's an argument that Romeo Dobbs was actually like a more functional player who was like used in a more varied style than Watson yeah. was.
1: But it's like, yeah, even like I'm thinking maybe the best comp in recent years is like IUK, sort of a similar, like had this crazy stretch at the end of the year where he had a ton of huge. Like or, or Debo,
3: where it's all touchdowns.
1: Yeah, or Debo. But those guys were going, like, I think second year at Uke was going in the seventh or eighth before at the very end of the year, like, surging up to the fifth sixth. Like, now these guys are starting the year, like, in March uh, as a fourth-round pick. Like, and I'm not saying I'm totally out on Watson. I- I'm not sure about that I'm, yet, I'm
3: not. Like, I'm not either. But that is a huge sea change for the last 30 years of fantasy football.
1: Yeah. You have to really—yeah, like— I- think that's something i'm going to try to hammer this offseason is like these these heuristics that worked in years past like once they're fully baked into the market prices you can no longer like i think another one is like draft rookie wide receivers early like they're gonna rise as the season goes on like i think that's no longer true like jsn is going at pick 50 like i'm not i don't think he's gonna rise unless he gets picked by like the bills or chiefs right like I don't know these heuristics. I think we have to be very careful about in this new landscape where everyone loves wide receivers and hates running backs. Like it's no longer the, the same game um, that we're playing, especially when a lot of these like studies that we rely on are, are PPR, and this game on Underdog is half PPR. So um, it's really interesting. Like uh, you have to adjust the market at some point. Like I'm not just only hammering running backs in rounds three through six as a result of this data. Like you still need to take wide receivers, obviously, but. Uh, you got to be careful with with some of this uh, stuff when the landscape uh, changes this dramatically, I think.
3: I mean, I would say probably the biggest point that we just hit on there is that half PPR and full PPR are a different game in the same way that the NBA, when they added the three-point line, became a different game. Like, it's it actually a huge difference. Those points are so – those reception points are so big and account for so much of the scoring in – full PPR, um, and, and diminish so much in their value in half PPR. Um, and, and also because the total number of points decreases, the value of a rushing yard increases, you know? So like 87, 87 rushing yards in, uh, in FFPC is like, who gives a shit, you know? But in 21 carries, 21 carries 87 yards and a touchdown is a pretty good stat line in underdog.
1: That's the, that's the Miles Sanders right there, right? The, the, the,
3: the, Miles <laughs> Sanders, the Miles Sanders, the Miles Sanders, the Algier, the, yeah, yeah. That's,
1: the, peers, the, that's yeah. the thesis. Yeah. So anyways, I just, I thought, uh, I thought this positional stuff is interesting. I'll, I definitely want to, I think like part of it, you could argue too, is the the type of drafter that's drafting right now is sort of like the, yes. the dynasty sicko that loves wide receivers and hates running backs. Like where we also, you know, in the grand scheme of these things, we kind of, you know, fit in that bucket, you know, when you consider the whole pool of fantasy players. So um, it'll be interesting to see if these uh, kind of normalize as more casuals enter, or if this is truly like the new, the new landscape we live in on underdog, Um, but we'll keep monitoring it. Let's wrap up here, Davis. Uh, As we try to do on every show, I want to hear what your best, uh, what you think the best value is right now on Undertog um, in terms of closing line value uh, by August and September.
3: Tutu Atwell. He, Tutu, Tutu Atwell, Tutu Atwell, Tutu Atwell as as undrafted. I mean, he finally, pl- yeah, he finally played last year and didn't die. That would like that. It's got to be a huge <laughs> upset that Tutu was finally like pretty much. Let's see how many. What was his most snaps in a game? Um I'm going to guess he played at least one game of 70% snaps. Uh, I think oh 92. yeah, I think
1: by the end he, he Yeah, he was he was he, he was games, 90, yeah. 93%, 84%,
3: 69, 84. He he got through a month of NFL football as a full-time player and was not de into another universe. I think that's super bullish. So I got I got Tua well as uh, as a big value right
1: now. I like that. And, you know, Alan Robinson's, I think, completely gone. Um, You know, Van Jefferson, I think Jefferson's also a fine pick if you want to take him. Sure, he's he's really cheap as well. Um, But someone on the Rams is going to step up. And we know the Rams don't have a ton of uh, cap space or anything to acquire guys. So um, I'm trying to pull up Atwell now to see. I think, like, if I remember correctly, he was kind of spiking on some of, like, my usage stuff by the end of the year. Uh, they were they target. were giving
3: him they were giving him rushes too.
1: Yeah, he had twenty percent targets per route run, which is pretty solid. Uh, One point seven yards per route run again, like solid. Like he he didn't he didn't face plant in his opportunity. It wasn't like special, but it, it certainly was was solid enough that I think at a completely free cost, uh, he is worth a bet there. Um, for me, uh, I think. I'm going to go with something we talked about earlier. Um, Will Levis and it, it's, you know, I'm not going to remake the Justin Herbert, Zach Wilson, you know, Daniel Jones argument that, that I've heard you and Pat talk about a bunch, but it's just when the quarterback with the high draft draft capital that everyone, you know, agrees that they suck. Well, maybe they don't. And especially if they're completely free um, I'm fine taking stabs. I think Levis gets drafted into a spot where he's going to project to start Uh one i think is most likely landing spots will be like the colts um raiders uh teams like that maybe you know feels Houston feels
3: up feels like the colts is kind of his destiny yeah yeah if, if Derek Carr,
1: so, i i mean i was
3: very certain Carr was gonna go to the colts so now if Carr's not gonna do it feels like feels like levis is at the next of the uh you know carson wentz evolution he's like he's like the the base form you know
1: yeah I think we'll find out soon who they're taking. Uh, Ursa is definitely gonna let it slip in a press conference or something. Who they? Who they? Like he almost he almost did last time he talked. So
3: yeah, he's definitely he's definitely just gonna tweet it out.
1: <laughs> yeah, like his his uh, roof is open tweets. It'll just be uh, Will Levis is the pick at four. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's let's close things down. Um, quick housekeeping stuff. I will be out next week but the show will continue on uh davis and pat i believe will both be holding it down uh, potentially with Pete, potentially with someone else we will see Uh, but we'll still have all the same charts and everything for you next week that part of the show will not go away um but yeah excited to see what news uh breaks in the next week i think we'll have some more free agency news and you know cuts and trades and stuff to to discuss um but yeah. Uh, anything else, for you Davis, before we shut things down? Nope, that's all,
3: everyone. Thank you. Uh, thank you for listening, Pat, and I'll be back next week, and uh, we will we will continue to grind.
1: Sounds good. All right. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Uh, we will see you next week.